Hi Sebastian, welcome to Drinks with Shan. Hi Shan, yeah, glad to be here. Nice to meet you. You too. I have some interesting questions for you because like many other people, I'm very interested in the whole investment saving space right now. I mean, everyone's looking for a way to save money, but also make money. So one of the most popular questions people ask is, how do I reach financial independence? Any advice on what are the basics you could do? Yeah, I mean, financial independence is, independence is kind of like the holy grail. You know, it's, uh, it's something to try and achieve, but yeah, it's very difficult to get to. Because um, I mean, what it means is that you're not reliant on anyone. You know, I saw an interesting uh quote the other day saying that you know if you are rich it means you have money but if you're wealthy it means you have time you know um so like just speaking to that you know if you're financially independent you're not reliant on anyone your employer your clients uh the bank you know um so i mean what we can do uh, to try and get to financial independence is only what's in our control and that's to you know uh, keep your living expenses as low as possible uh, and to save and invest as much as you can, uh, you know, whilst you can. Because, I mean, financial independence, I mean, it means that you, uh, you know, the, the best case is that you have enough money to live off without having to work again, you know, and I think very few people can achieve that. Uh, even in retirement in, in South Africa, people battle to to get there. Talking about saving and investing, what's the difference between the two? So, I mean, there is a bit of a gray area uh, between the two, but I mean, generally, if you think about uh, the time horizon, so saving is something generally done for the short term and investment is something more for the long term um, and also the products that the money is going into. You know, you can save just by putting money under your mattress uh, and that's not getting any sort of return or you can just save by keeping money in your bank account. But when you invest, you're actually investing into products that you want to earn a return off, um, you know, like shares, uh, bonds, you know, property, et cetera. And why I said that there's a gray area is because sometimes, you know, you can put your money into like a low uh, cash account where you're getting, you know, four or 5% a year. And that's more for a short-term goal. So that can be sort of classified as savings or investment. Uh, but generally it's the, it's the time horizon that, that classifies, you know, what's uh, suitable for, for one and the other. So in your opinion, or maybe in general, what are the four main types of investments? Yeah, so cash is uh, like one, then fixed income, which is mainly bonds, um, stocks or equities, and then more tangible assets like properties and commodities. Uh, you know, that's those are the mo uh, the most popular sort of asset classes. And I mean, I can go through each one in more detail if you like. Just a little bit, just just in case some people don't know much about it. So the four main ones are cash. Um, so that's like you know, money market account, fixed deposit, call account, um, fixed income, which is bonds. So that's where a company or government uh, issues a bond where they try to raise money from investors. Uh, investors give their money and earn a return. 
so like a coupon over the period of that, uh, you know, either every six months or every year from that investment. And at the end of the period, whoever uh, borrowed that money has to has to pay it back um, to the investor. Um, stocks, so that's, uh, you know, equities, shares in, in a business. So if you own shares in a company like MTN, for example, you know, you own a small slice uh, of that company and you potentially earn dividends uh, and you hope that the share price goes up, um, you know, linked to the performance of the company. And then lastly, uh, property and commodities, you know, so property could be the house that you're living in and commodities is like, you know, tangible assets uh, like gold, for example. Okay, so I've I've seen the popular one world right now is a lot of people are doing the equity and property investment has always been big. So we know the advantages of that. But I feel like the whole investing game is you have to be really patient to see a return. Am I right? Yeah, 100%. Um, especially if you're investing in in assets that can move up and down like equities. You know, history has shown us that, you know, if you invest in the stock market for a long period of time, you you will make money. Uh, you know, who knows what will happen in the future, but the last couple of hundred years have shown us that, you know, you need to be patient and, um, you know, keep your money in the equity market and you will do well. I mean, even if you keep your money in cash, it's not it's not a great outcome, but, you know, your the compound interest that you, that you earn just keeps growing and growing, you know, so patience is a key sort of factor in uh, determining how much uh, money you can make through investing. So would that also be one of the disadvantages is you have to wait a long time before you see a return and maybe sometimes you won't see the return, but your kids would? Yeah, 100, yeah, 100% again. I mean, I think there are very few disadvantages uh, when it comes to investing. Um, but the the one that you can think of is like you don't get that instant gratification. You know, you can't go and buy the new pair of shoes or a new TV. You know, you have to be patient and and invest and you'll ultimately uh, reap the rewards, whether it's yourself or like you say, whether it's your your children. Why do you think it's so important for people to invest now more than ever? Yeah, I mean, I think investing has always been important and I think, you know, people should try and invest as early as possible um, and as much as possible. But I think what's happened now with COVID, you know, people have realize that you know these shocks can happen and if you're not prepared and if you don't have some sort of uh you know nest egg or uh, emergency fund that you can call on when times are, are bad um you know you're going to really be in be in trouble you know so it's a bit of a wake-up call uh, for a lot of people it's a bit uh, late for some also uh but i think yeah that's the reason you know so people realize this is this is the the rainy day has come, and you know uh, if you weren't prepared, you know you're you're in trouble. Also, to, just to add to that, sorry, just to add to that, I mean in South Africa, you know some of the stats, I think it's like six percent of South Africans can retire uh, comfortably. So I mean one of the main reasons for that is just because people don't uh, invest enough during their working career, you know, um, and. One of the things we tell our clients to do is to try and sort of like pay yourself first. And what that means is as you get uh, paid your salary, you know, make sure that the first debit order that comes off uh, is going to your investment. So you don't see it. 
you don't have the chance to spend it and it just sort of, you know, set and forget. It goes straight into your investment account. Wow, it is. But here's the thing. In the past, investing was categorized as, you know, the elite club for the rich people who just become richer. And of course, as the years went past, more and more people felt like, okay, this is something that I could do. Um, what what has changed now? Okay, yes, we are in COVID right now. So people are catching a wake-up call. But before COVID as well, what do you think has changed that made people think, okay, maybe I need to start putting my money towards investment, especially South Africans. But then am I putting my money in the right place? Because I feel like you need to do a lot of research to find out where you should be investing and what works for you or not. You're right. I mean, I think the reason why things have changed a bit is that, you know, there's more, uh, there are more investment options. Uh, It's easier to obtain, you know, information. There are robo-advisors around, um, you know, so I think that's, that's one of the, some of the primary reasons why things have changed. But also, you know, just to counter that, there is still a perception that, you know, investing is for the upper class. Uh, you know, you need to speak to a financial advisor or you need to have a stockbroker, you know. But things have happened in the last sort of five, ten years that have changed that. Uh, but I think this perception still exists. And I think, um, you know, one of the reasons why that has perpetuated is that a lot of these investment platforms that exist, you know, you need, for example, 10 or 20,000 Rand to, or, uh, in order to open an account. Uh, and that, like, you know, excludes a lot of people uh, in South Africa. And also, you know, the reason why people need financial advisors is because a lot of the products are so complex and difficult for, you know, the man on the street to understand. And whether that was done sort of on purpose or whether there was necessary, you know, for those uh, financial services providers to, you know, to say. But we've tried to, with Frank, we've tried to make it a lot simpler uh, for people to, to invest and to understand what they're doing. Talking about Frank, you are the co-founder of Frank. Tell me a little bit more about it because I went on your website and I was like, wow, this is interesting. I I personally haven't come across anything like this before, but I'm so curious to hear from you what exactly it is. Yeah, so I mean, Tom and, and myself, uh, the two co-founders of Frank, you know, we both saw a need for a simple investment platform in South Africa. Um, so my background is in uh, financial services. And as the sort of finance person in my sort of family group, I often got, and, and sort of in my, some of my friends as well, got asked questions about, you know, what should I do with my money? You know, I've got the uh, X spare, you know, what are my options? And, you know, these are people that are professionals in their own right. It's just that they're not uh, finance people. And it was just difficult for them to make a decision. Um, so, you know, we saw the gap. Tom had a similar experience uh, in his previous job. You know, he was sort of frustrated with the broker broker involvement. And, you know, he could see that there uh, is potential to digitize uh, sort of advice and, and investment. Um, so, so, yeah, that was the opportunity that we, that we saw. And effectively, we're just trying to make investing easy and simple for, for South Africans with also no sort of barriers. So we, you can invest in Frank, uh, even if you've got 10 Rand, you know, we don't have any minimums. 
you know, there's no penalties for withdrawing. You can invest as and when you like. Uh, so it's very flexible. And in terms of the simplicity, we've like distilled it down into two uh, product offerings. So of those four asset classes that I mentioned earlier, we offer a cash fund and we, we plug into Alan Gray's money market fund. And then we also offer a, an ETF, which is a basket of, uh, of shares effectively. And that uh, tracks the performance of the largest top, uh, the largest 40 companies uh, on the JSC. Wow. Very interesting. You have investors in your company, right? In, uh, in the business? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. How was that process for you trying to get investors on board? Because, I mean, you know, your market is trying to get people to invest and being in the middle there, what was it like? Was it was it easy, difficult? Just tell me a little bit more about, you know, being a startup, trying to get investors. And since, I mean, people know Silicon Valley and the USA, where a lot of investors put money into startups, but it's still growing here in Africa, especially South Africa. South Africa, um, sort of the startup scene is a lot better than what it was a few years ago. But there's still sort of a lot to be uh, desired in terms of early stage uh, investment, which is where we are. Um, it was quite difficult. I mean, we're still raising money from investors, but, you know, it's been a difficult process. I think people are not used to uh, taking the risk that, you know, comes with, with startups. So most of our investors are, um, well, the initial round was sort of friends and, and family and the team sort of funded uh, a lot of the early operations. And then we started getting money uh, from external parties in December of last year. And it was ex-colleagues, uh, friends, um, with one or two sort of institutions that also uh, provided us funding. But it's been, it's been challenging. And luckily for us, we got uh, a reasonable chunk of, of money uh, sort of just before COVID hit. So like in Feb and, and early March. Because I think if that didn't happen, you know, it would have been quite difficult to try and raise money um, now just because a lot of businesses are, are suffering and a lot of the investors are more likely to look after the existing investments than to try and uh, invest in businesses. It's true. So talking about investors, investments, a lot of South Africans wonder, should I take my investments outside South Africa? Can I? I mean, you can, um, you know, years ago, it was like very difficult to move money outside of South Africa. It was illegal almost. Um, things have changed a lot. Uh, you can take, I think the rules are now, you can take a million rand out of uh, South Africa without any sort of clearance. And then after that million rand, you can take another 10 million rand uh, as long as your sort of tax affairs are in good standing. So, and that's per per year. So, I mean, 11 million rand per year is a lot of money, and I'm not sure there are too many people that can uh, sort of uh, hit that t target every year. Um, and there are options. I, I'm, I'm just not sure it's really suitable for, for everyone, because uh, remember there's the currency risk that you also have to uh, take into account. So, I mean, it's more for the, the, the wealthier person, or unless you've got a very sort of negative outlook on South Africa and you think, 
you know, government's going to steal all your assets, uh, which some people do. But yeah, you can. But the thing is, you can also invest um, in offshore uh, assets without taking your money outside of South Africa. I mean, for example, you know, I talked about the uh, our equity uh, fund. So that's a, a local fund. But there are other funds that you can invest into, um, but using your RANDs, but that give you offshore exposure. Um, yeah, you don't need to sort of formally move your money outside of the country. Okay. I've seen a, a lot of people, you know, well, you have this Kickstarter funds, etc., where people say they're selling shares. And I think there was something in the media not so long ago where it didn't really work out. Uh, you know, there was a startup involved, but things just got messy. So I've heard a lot of people saying that I'm scared because I don't know if this is legit or not. And now in COVID, people are taking advantage of that. I'm not sure if you came across this, but on my social media, I've seen so many people post about this whole WhatsApp investment and how you could double or triple your initial invest investment in weeks. And I was like, whoa, that's too good to be true. But many South Africans are falling for it. So what tips or advice do you have for people when it comes to verifying these opportunities? I think you answered it already. You know, um, if, if it looks too good to be true, then it normally is. Um, you know, people are sort of lured in by the prospect of high returns, uh, you know, and unfortunately it's greed that is people's uh, undoing, you know, uh, they see the sort of uh, get rich quick scheme, but at the end of the day, it's always going to be uh, a scam. You know, if you can, what you can do to try and like negate some of the risk is to try and understand how this is supposed to, how they're supposed to be making their money. And if you can't understand that and you can't understand what you're buying, and most especially if they're not like regulated by the FSCA, you know, those are a number of sort of red flags that uh, you, know, you can you can use to to identify whether it's legit or, or not. But like I said, if it if it looks like it's too good to be true, it's uh, it is it is because, you know, like we said earlier, investing is a very sort of long term game where you need to be very patient. Uh, it's very unlikely that you're going to make a lot of money quickly. Can you explain a little how crowdfunding investments work? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, like we raised money from investors, you know, so that's a process of going to people that you think would be interested in investing uh, in our business. Some companies decide to to try and go the, the crowd raising route. And typically it's most successful for big consumer brands or, you know, where they've got loyal clients and the clients know the, know the brand. And, you know, if they want to raise money, they'll say, okay, you know, we're raising 5 million Rand and the public has an opportunity to participate in this uh, investment. And they'll say, okay, we, we're giving away, you know, for that 5 million Rand, we're giving away 10% of the business. Um, they'll issue a sort of a prospectus, which gives the, shareholders more information about the about the company, what their prospects are, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, the public has the opportunity to to acquire the, the shares. So I mean, it's similar. I know you did like that uh what's it, back a mom, uh back a 
buddy uh, program. So it's a, it's a similar thing, it's just that, I mean, your uh, project was going towards sort of, you know, uh, charitable needs and where, and, and this process would be going towards buying shares. Um, but the, the, the format is very similar. And I'm guessing you also educating people on what invest, investing is about. I mean, you know, because as we talked about earlier, a lot of people think, oh, I need to have loads of money to invest. And now during COVID, well, I would say 2020 and 21, people are going to think, okay, I don't have a lot of money. I have a little money, but I want to put some away. Where can I put it? And I think you and your co-founder came up with a brilliant idea, just catering for South Africans, the everyday South Africa a South African who wants to invest but not sure where to start or what to do. And you're saying this platform is for you and for your friends and family and everyone who wants to try and invest. Yes, I mean, I think that's what we're trying to do at Frank to make, uh, to show everyone that they should be investing and can invest. You know, so we've removed the barriers, we've made it simple. And, you know, there are some people that, you know, at the end of the month, there isn't really any money uh, to to invest. That's why we say, okay, invest first and then figure the rest out later. But, I mean, we are in South Africa. We know that there are a lot of people that, that can't invest uh, just because they don't have the cash. But, you know, if they can find that extra, you know, 20 rand or 50 rand, 100 rand to put away, uh, you know, over the long, over a long period of time, it can really grow. So that's why we do, we do think it's, it is for everyone. The big question everyone wants to know is investing for everyone. So with us, there's, there's, there's no minimums, you know. So we have we have investors that, that invest with us, you know, uh, 10 rand, 20 rand a month. Um, some of them just because they want to just test out the platform. But we have seen others that have consistently, you know, every month uh, invest in small amounts. So, you know, we're happy to to help those kind of uh, clients that maybe wouldn't be able to access the products that we that we uh, that, well uh, anywhere else. How can people educate themselves more on this topic? Are there any websites or books you can suggest? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, you asked me about you know uh, whether we educating our, our, our customers, and the answer is yes. Um, you know, we've got a, a blog uh, on the Frank website, um, so every week we try and put out some sort of financial content it doesn't have to necessarily be about investments necessarily necessarily you know we've talked about the budget we've talked about interest rates uh coming down recently you know um, obviously there's a lot of investment content as well um so i mean we have we know that we have a responsibility not only to provide this platform for people to invest but also to help them learn uh, and walk the journey um, with them so that they can make good decisions um, but apart from that, uh, apart from our own blog, I mean, personally, I read uh, MoneyWeb, which, you know, it's, it's quite uh, finance heavy and like business company uh, heavy. But there are some other financial uh, institutions that have uh, nice content, like Stangen has got a blog called Wise About Life, uh, which they, I mean, Stangen is an insurance business, but they've got content on, on all sorts of other topics. Uh, to help uh, their customers. Um, another uh, website called Just Money. They also have lots of um, content about finance, investments, retirement, et cetera, et cetera. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Sebastian, for chatting to me about investments. I think I learned a, a thing or two from you. And I'm definitely going to encourage friends and family to check out Frank. Has a startup myself, I know how it is in the industry and space. So congratulations on how far you've come. I think that's a big achievement. And I will be looking forward to seeing much more from Frank. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me and thanks for, thanks for the uh, good, good words.